0: Welcome back to Bold Perceptions. This is Nick, and I'm back in America. I knew I was back in America when I was driving in a car and seeing many political signs on the sides of the road. So, (laughs) fun times. Anyways, today's a wonderful episode with Riley Brown, the Seattle bookman. It's a dude that had a nice little finance gig, wasn't feeling fulfilled, wasn't loving what he was doing, so he said, screw it. And he started going to thrift stores, scanning books, and selling them online. Well, a year into it, the dude was making $250,000 in revenue. It's a wonderful story. The dude's very inspiring and motivating. He's willing to help you, yes, you, the listener, get into your passion, your side business. Um, he's, he's really trying to help others because he loves the entrepreneurship spirit and what it has done. For him. So, hey, share this episode and connect with Riley Brown and have a great day. Ciao.
1: Hello, hello, hello. We are back. Bold perceptions in your ears. Once again, you must like us if you keep coming back. If this is your first time, you picked a very good one. I think I have not talked to Riley, who we have on today before. I actually am pretty in the dark on his story on this uh, damn near million dollar reselling book business, of course. (laughs) But Riley, do you want to jump right in and uh, introduce yourself and kind of what we're going to be talking about today?
2: Yeah. um, First of all, thank you for having me on. Um, So I guess I'll just give my uh, backstory. Um, So I'll start it off about a year and a half ago. Uh, So I accepted a job at a financial advising firm immediately out of college. Um, On the first day I showed up, I knew it wasn't for me. Like everything in my body told me that like, it wasn't where I was supposed to be. Um, I spent about four months there. Uh, I did about 10 minutes of work per hour. Uh, The rest of my time was spent anxiously daydreaming about other things I could be doing uh, with my life eventually. I quit my job and went to Thailand on an impulse. Um, I met my buddy who was over there and, um, and like he was already traveling over there. And I just decided I'm going to force myself to figure something else out. I'm not just going to let myself like fall into whatever that financial advising job had to offer. Um, and after I got back, I ran into my buddy who I knew in high school and he was going to uh, the Goodwill bins. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of those, but he was like buying like t-shirts for like 40 cents and selling them for $25. And so I was like, hell yeah, like I'll try that. And so I started flipping a bunch of random shit. Um, And I just started watching YouTube videos and I came across book flipping videos. Um, And so eventually I got a barcode scanner. I was using a cool app. It's called Scout IQ. It's actually pretty popular now for people who want to make extra money. And so I spent about two months straight going to Thrift stores and library sales, just scanning all of their books. Um, and I would sell them on Amazon. So I was spending about $100 a day on books. And I literally did this all day, about 80 hours a week. I was just scanning books. Um, and I liked it more than my financial advising job. And I ended up running out of bookstores to go to. Um, so I ended up driving all the way down to California and I hit every thrift store and every library on the way down and I would cold call them on the way down and ask like, hey, like if you have a back room, I'm a bulk buyer, like I'd like to come in and scan the books. And so I I ended up getting in the back room of like seven or eight stores and I would just send them into Amazon from there because I sell on Amazon FBA and we can talk about that later if you want. I think it's a massive opportunity for young entrepreneurs. And eventually I got back and I decided I was gonna scale my business locally And one idea turned to another. And then now I I think that's like four months later, I'm about, this is my eighth month selling books. And so now we have a 1200 square foot warehouse, um, one full-time employee, uh, three part-time employees, a VA, and we're selling about 90 books per day. And I will correct you on the $1 million. We're going to we're gonna do about two hundred one billion. One billion. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna do about two hundred and fifty thousand in our first year, but we could hit we could do a million next year if we really scale it up. Um, like I want to. But yeah, sorry if that was all over the place, but that's kind of how my life has been.
1: No, that's that's honestly insane. I mean 250K for basically a complete startup from what I'm hearing. And it all started with looking at these YouTube videos, taking action going to, you know, a free resource. People forget that YouTube is an absolute fountain of knowledge, there's limitless things on there to be learned. Yeah, um, lots kind of, of, of
2: scams though, lots of scams. I no, understand. there
1: is, so so how do you distinguish, how do you distinguish that this was a real opportunity and not a scam, can you go into that?
2: Yeah, um, I don't have like a, uh, like a rule, like you just, you have to look into their channel and look at what type of people are following their channel. Um, And I saw that there was a lot of like part-time moms who would, who would be going into thrift stores and they'd be trying to make some extra cash. Um, it wasn't like, like you can kind of see like there's like a whole guru movement going on on YouTube where they're they're they have a channel, but they're just trying to direct you to buy courses. Um, if they want you to buy courses, usually it's not a good business. Um, it's usually a scam. Um, But yeah, like if, and I would say just like if you find a video on YouTube, just try it like for a week immediately, don't even think about it. Just try it and see if you can make some extra money and then figure out where you can make the money and then iterate on that, do that over and over again. And just, yeah, and just hustle, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, and some people, I mean, like yourself have the mindset that they want to get into some entrepreneurship type of thing Um, and some people just don't really have the drive or the thoroughness to go through with it, I'd say. I mean, I've seen a lot of people want to get into it. What is? What was your main differentiation point? I think you're hearing these uh, motorcycles in the background. I think I'm looking at the grand theft auto situation right now. <laughs> but,
2: Sounds like it. Gee, um,
1: I, I gotta get myself a motorcycle. I can sell books on those things.
2: Yeah, you could, not many. Whatever you could fit in like a backpack. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, what was, I forget what the question was. Um,
1: so I just wanted to know what separated you, what made you keep going, what got you, what was the first step to get you to running your own business,
2: really? Yeah, Start- uh, it was literally running into my friend I haven't seen in high school. Like like I said, I, I hated my job. Um, and I'm the type of person, I guess more so than most people who just like won't put up with a job where I saw my uh, no future. I saw no future and I hated it so much that it wasn't even... Like I couldn't even, I wasn't even learning anything. So it was just giving me money, but like that wasn't enough for me. So like the fact that I quit my job and I was willing to just try anything that came up, um, really helped me out. And as soon as I found scanning books, I live in Seattle and it's a very, it's a very good area. There's a lot of good books and not a lot of people flipping books like down in Arizona and in Texas. There's a lot more competition for these type of things. Um, And I guess it was just the fact that I had no other option. Um, It really benefited me. And so I put literally $200 into a second bank account and I still haven't added any more money to that business account. And so it's kind of just been self-sufficient until now. It's a pretty full on business. Well, I mean, 250 K is
1: 250 K not
2: to mention. I mean, that's, 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 that's that's product sales on Amazon. That's not profit. Um, but um yeah no it's been good um yeah i know this uh it's gonna allow me to hire and so i'm bringing on some more people and so it's giving me the freedom to um kind of work on my business rather than in my business and focus on making connections to get more books rather than actually like doing the dirty work
1: sure sure yeah And so with Amazon being your channel of choice, was there really even a close competitor or is Amazon just truly the way to go, at least for the book industry?
2: Um, For the book industry, I I don't think there's many other options. So eBay is my second channel. So I'm going to do about like maybe 15,000 in revenue on eBay. Um, It's just Amazon makes everything so easy and 60%, I think it's 60% of all books purchased in the world are purchased off Amazon. Um, And so they make everything just so easy. And so to list a book on Amazon, um, like we list about 250 books per hour on Amazon because everything's done through like next level software that you can just scan it straight in. Um, And I ship all of my books before they sell to Amazon To be housed there and then when they sell Amazon ships them the book and so that frees up a lot of my time and that's what FBA is or fulfillment by Amazon which um, it allows people who don't have a lot of warehouse space to expand almost infinitely
1: okay so what I'm hearing is it all really starts with that barcode uh is it what's it a barcode scanner that you had to buy yeah cost
2: Yeah. So picture just any library you've been to the librarian scans the books and they have their own inventory system and barcode scanners have gotten so, so cheap. Like, I think 10 years ago, it would have been like 150 bucks. I bought a scanner for like $35. um, And I spent about $40 on the first month for this app. And I was ready to go. And so like for people trying to hustle make some extra money, I recommend it for sure.
1: Okay and that's interesting because a mutual guy we know, Alec, my roommate, he got into that space a little bit he I think he got a barcode scanner and tried out board games, tried flipping board games uh, during the holiday season. He actually made some money on Amazon, I believe actually um, but i mean what's what's different with books what Why was that so successful instead of something else, some other product
2: um yeah, I, I think it just clicked with me. I, I think I could have, in a parallel universe, I could have a business selling whatever, whatever. Um, so for anyone listening um, who wants to get in this space, just go onto YouTube and look up retail arbitrage. And there are people who make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year go, like driving to different Walmarts, driving to different stores and scanning... Everything in their store, and um, w- uh, what retail arbitrage means is that there's a different there's a different market for items online than there is in the store. So they'll go to clearance sections in Walmart and they'll clear out everything. That's why when you go to like toy sections in Walmart, you'll oftentimes see everything cleared out. It's because they're selling more, or they're selling for more on uh, on Amazon than they are um, in, in the store. Um, at Walmart so like people yeah people and so they have these apps that connect to their phone and then they have 3D barcode scanners um, or 2D barcode scanners that can scan the actual like big barcodes and they'll just scan all day every day Um, and I think for me books I just found them first and they are very easy to process and you can sell them used very easily um, and so I guess it just kind of worked worked itself out. And then I became the Seattle Bookman.
1: That's an incredible name. It's so it's so practical and literal. (laughs) Yeah, I love that.
2: I appreciate it.
1: And so, are you? So, like Biggie Smalls, the rapper back in the day, Mm -hmm. the late great, he was the Notorious B.I.G. Are you kind of like the Notorious Bookman? You know, B.O.O.K. the B B double
2: O.K. Dude, I I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think anyone's called me that yet, but. Hey, if this video gets enough listens, I think it could catch on. <laughs> um, um honestly, so I'm very so I run ads on Facebook. Um and so we're pretty viral within the Seattle community amongst the um 59 uh 59 year old plus mostly women demographic in the area. So, uh, very like, like I ran- yeah we have like uh, a 1200 likes and like 700 shares on an ad we're running over here um and so that's that's for my book pickup service and so we're picking up directly from people's houses who would otherwise throw their books in a landfill or take them to goodwill
1: okay and so you're not buying these books you're getting them for free
2: well uh, all right so we have four different ways we get books now so the most the most amount of books I've sold are from thrift store clearouts, where thrift stores have closed down and they have tens of thousands of books. And, I, and I'll come in and buy them, buy them all for really cheap. And we'll just load up the truck and take them back and we'll process them and sell them all. Um, but yeah, I also pick up, and so I'm building up partnerships with junk pickup companies. Um, so these are companies that are taking the books directly to the dump and paying to, to dump them. And I said, hey, like, instead of paying to dump books, just give them all to me for free. And they really like it. And they're saving a lot of money. So yeah, so I get those books for free. And then I also have a service where we pick up directly from households and they give us their books. And then we donate a dollar to charitywater.org um, for every book that we sell when we pick them up directly from households. And so we've raised $1,400 doing that. And that goes, um, and so that's like, essentially supported like 30 people, or 35 people for clean water for a year, like in areas like Uganda and stuff like that. So wow, that's a cool part of our business. And I, I really am enjoy doing that.
1: No, that's a that's a really cool part of it. And honestly, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs now or startup business guys or gals they should have some sort of charity kickback it's not a should but i feel like it's almost an unwritten rule where you want to get a charity involved or you want to have some sort of mission statement because that kind of helps you get inventory i imagine right that gives them a reason to give you your books and it just is good for your brand's marketing
2: right um i mean yeah i mean it's doing good for the world um and so like some people are like oh you only donate a dollar to charity water because it gets you more books, but, um, I mean, I don't think you can, you don't need to look at it like that. Like no matter what, like we're literally converting books that would end up at Goodwill and Goodwill is a pretend charity. Like they, I don't even want to get into the reasons why that is, but most of the books that we get for free are books that would probably end up in the landfill anyway. And so all the books that we can't sell, we end up recycling all of those. So those are turned into more books. And so like, we're definitely doing, um, um, I think we're doing some good for the community and I think people are starting to notice that. And so I think that's going to help our business going forward.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so you got that on your side. And then I want to rewind back to the fact that your most popular demographic was, it was 50 plus <laughs> women, correct?
2: Yeah. Um, I guess I mean that's the demographic I think who's reading the most. And so when running my ads, I noticed that they engaged far more than 30-year-old guys or whatever. Um, and those are the people who want to get rid of their books like in a in an ethical way and not just have a junk pickup company haul them away uh, um and put them in the dump. And then most of the books that go to Salvation Army, I wouldn't say most, but a lot of the books that go to Salvation Army, excuse me, and Goodwill end up in um, uh, landfills anyway. So it's all, ever since I started doing this, it, like every day I'm learning something new about like the supply chain of used books. And um, and like yesterday I just added a new type of, um, I guess, customer or partners. We were picking up from private schools. Um, and so we, we cleared basically half of a library from a private school who doesn't need their books anymore and they were very grateful i guess
1: absolutely no i mean i don't know how you couldn't be grateful with that going on um, and so another thing i'm sorry i'm backtracking all over here because i got i'm interested in so many things you've said already but so retail arbitrage yes is the basis of this really just finding out if these books or any other product, for that matter, is—is this—is this just coming down to checking in on what the price points are in its current market? So the library will say, retail arbitrage helps you find out if they're being undersold, correct?
2: Uh, okay, well, all it does is retail arbitrage is—I'll get—I'll just do—I'll say it in an example. Retail arbitrage is me going to a thrift store buying a used book for $2 and selling it online for $25. Um, any type of retail arbitrage is looking for a price difference between two markets and taking advantage of that. So if something's selling, let's say you're buying Lego sets um, and it'll let you buy 10 Lego sets at Walmart for $15 each and they're selling for $25 on Amazon um, after fees, whatever that price difference is, that's your profit. Um, and that's basically what it is. And there's a lot of apps where you can download and just put it on your phone. And you can use the uh, your phone camera. You don't even need a barcode scanner. Um, and you can just go scan barcodes at Walmart. Some people do it at Home Depot and they make good side money. And it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of practice. But if you just watch enough people on YouTube, like there's people on YouTube who will teach you how to do it for free. Um which I think is super cool.
1: So are you going to be one of those guys then? Is that your next thing? No, 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 no. Teach the Uh, next
2: street generation of the notorious biggies in the books world. No, 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 no. I I just recommend that for anyone. Like you don't, it doesn't need to be books. There's people making more than I am selling random things. There's obviously the negative example, um, but I think it's a good example to visualize is right when COVID struck, all of the retail arbitrage people were going to um, all these stores buying like wipes and disinfectant stuff and masks in the store and selling them online for like 10 times the price. Um, Which I, that's where it starts getting unethical in my opinion. Um, I mean, that's just price gouging a pandemic, which, which I don't, I would never do that. But I mean, that just, that's basically the idea is you're taking things that are, cheaper in retail stores and putting them online.
1: Okay, so do places, would you ever be able to, you know, you don't go to a Barnes and Noble, right? You're not gonna be getting no. new books.
2: No, yeah, no. Um, that's one avenue I might go down once I get a way bigger website is getting deals with publishers um, where I buy books new at a really good deal and then I sell them new on Amazon. Um, But for now, I'm just gonna stick to used books. Um, They're just too expensive to buy new.
1: Right, and I mean, your profit margins are insane. I mean, I imagine that some of these books are literally selling for $2, right? And you're turning around, going to Amazon, and boom, $20, $18 profit. That's simple as that.
2: Yeah, I mean, mean, yeah, I'm buying these books in bulk. Like when I do spend money on books at thrift stores, I'm buying them on average for like five to 10 cents a book. So, and my average sales price is $16
1: wow, okay, okay. Yeah. So how do you how do you price the books out? How do you, uh, let's take, you know, like a self-help book written by Tony Robbins yep. compared to, I mean, do you even do like, you know, like a, an old coloring, not a coloring
2: book, but like a child's picture book. Is there a difference in price that you sell it for? <laughs> yes, okay. Um, I, when I first started, I was pricing the books. Um, now I have, I use this software. It's called Reprice It, and it's essentially... Bots that go in every, I think I have it set every four and a half hours, go in and reprice every book in my library, in my inventory based on um, different triggers. So um, it takes basically like, um, it only looks at a specific price. So it looks at like the lowest six prices on Amazon selling Prime because all my books are like 99% of my books are sold prime fba or on like amazon prime so the customer gets them in two days and so it takes all of those listed prime and it and it positions the price based on its sales rank and this is when it goes into like the super nerdy number stuff but basically i have robots that reprice my book my books five times a day and i don't have to do it anymore
1: Wow! So you've really automized. <laughs> you could have you in the olden days without the smart software. I mean, you you would have to hire people to reprice, you know, and do analysis really on price points and
2: margin and what's worth it itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there are some. And so I I have thought about doing that because it's not the most efficient. Like it, I think if I was manually doing it, um, I could definitely sell the books at a little bit higher prices rather than relying on um, a robot that only can take in a small subset of information. Um, but it it's not worth my time. Like I'd rather just spend all my time looking for more books than getting the most out of all of them. And so like my average sale price is good and we sell books for over $200 all the time. Um, and so, yeah, definitely the, there's just so many different ways you can automate Things in business now, especially on Amazon. It's insane.
1: No, and I mean, it's a great time. It sounds like a great time to be in business just because COVID has really impacted the online marketplace. My roommate just did an Amazon grocery shopping order and got it in 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have to risk, you know, going out there in the COVID solar system. And I feel like more people are going online, and no matter if it's books, groceries, if it's freaking dog treats, it could be anything, really.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, it's it's a very different time um and going into like the more nerdy side i've i've been listening to a lot of podcasts and it's it's kind of the start of this new transition period in our economy where like more and more things are going to be moving to online sales um and i and i don't know if you want to talk about this and i kind of wanted to ask you a question it's like so you started a podcast basically about like people doing thing like super, like, I guess, against the grain things, right? Like finding different ways to make money and stuff.
1: Yeah, honestly, it never was strictly about entrepreneurship or going against the grain. It was really just, you know, bringing on people that had positive energy that had a cool mindset that have done something cool. And I mean, it's really not even about leaving a corporate job per se. I mean, I love my corporate job. I don't see myself leaving. But it's kind of about you know thinking for yourself, taking the road less traveled, and you know succeeding with it, which you've done. So I figured you'd be perfect to have on. And like you're saying, I mean, we're kind of you're kind of living a revolution, right? Uh, right?
2: Yeah. No. And I just think what you're doing is awesome. And um, I just think that the the opportunity to do this is right now. Like making a podcast, starting a business. Um, And doing it on the side, you can easily do it on the side like you have. And I'm not saying you should be quitting your job. I just think more and more people are realizing that the traditional route isn't, might not even be optimal. Like it's a relatively new thing, like the, the traditional career path. And I think that there's so many other opportunities out there for people, whether it's entrepreneurship, or just taking your passion into a podcast. And I think I don't know, I'm re- I get really fired up about people saying, oh, I'm gonna do this thing that I've always wanted to do like at a super young age and just take a risk. And so that, that's like my favorite thing to talk about.
1: Well, let's talk about it because that's exactly what I wanna talk about. And on top of it, being a good time with what's going on right now um, and then techno- technology exponentially advancing and all that stuff. I mean, when you're young, like we are, we're young 20s, mid 20s. Why not? Because if you fail, if you fail, it's having a failure. Like you're learning so much. You're going out there, you're doing way more operating a business, you're marketing, you're picking up, you're in charge of inventory, you're in charge of pricing, you're in charge of
2: everything. And I mean, yeah. what's like, you got to be fulfilled from this because you're starting from the ground up. From the ground yeah. Up. Um, yeah. The way I see it's like when I was at my, my job, I was anxious all day and I had little to no responsibilities. And now I have like, more responsibilities than i can even handle and i'm not anxious at all like it's the fact that i have the freedom to kind of uh kind of it's like a game to me it literally f- business feels like a video game to me where and like um and, and it's just relaxing even though it's in theory should be more stressful but um yeah uh yeah i think it's really interesting time i, I think um, what, what was I going to say? I was going to say something. What were you talking about right before you asked that question?
1: Yeah, we were just talking about, I mean, it's a time, it's a time in your life, you know, to learn from failure, even if you do fail. Um, fulfillment, I feel like you have a lot more emotional attachment to starting your own business. Technology is expanding. Our- yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just think people don't want to do it. People don't want to take that risk. Cause I know so many people are, have like thought about it. Oh yeah. I always remember what I was going to say. So ever since I started this business, I've been getting like DMS from like people I know, like, Hey man, like I really don't like my job. Like, how did you start? How did you blah, blah, blah. And I I'm really passionate on like why people don't want to just try. Cause they'll, they'll be like, Oh, I have this idea for this thing. And I'm like, why don't you do it? And they're just like, I just don't think it would work. And back to what you were saying, I think you, people just need to try it to be able to at least cross it off their bucket list to try something crazy when they're young. Because you they'll know? regret it. They'll regret it. Yeah. Right. And it sounds cliche, like you only regret the things you don't do. Like, but like it's it's true. <laughs> and I don't know. I'm young. I don't know. Like, I don't know what I will regret or what I won't regret. All I know is I'm enjoying hour by hour, I'm enjoying my life where I wasn't before.
1: Right. And I mean, every moment matters like before, like, okay. And to your credit, you you did not have a slouch of a job. Like you had a primetime job lined up, but you just didn't feel fulfilled. It sounds like you didn't feel like you mattered enough. Am I reading that right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. uh, I had really good advice from a mentor that I met actually at my previous job. And I actually kind of liked that job. Um, But he said like, Hey, put yourself in your Put yourself in your boss's, boss's shoes 15 15 years from now. So like you can do that in your head right now at your job. Like, are you fulfilled in life? Because that's best case scenario. Best case scenario at your job, you're going to get promoted to be your boss's boss in 15 years. Like that would be a very good accomplishment. And if you're not satisfied with that, then it's, you should probably think about other things to do. That is a great freaking quote right there. I'm going to use that for
1: the episode marketing. Put yourself in your boss's boss shoes, 15 years. And if you like where you are
2: headed, best case, again, that's the key word, then go for it. Right. I mean, mean, like, obviously you could come up with some crazy idea in your business and get promoted beyond that. But like 99% of people, like that's going to be the ceiling. And that's like very like props to you if that happens. Like if you get your boss's boss's job, um, like that's dope. But like, yeah, I think it's a good ceiling marker. Like, Oh, are you fulfilled? And so I knew my boss's boss and I met with him and I was like, I really like him. Great guy, super motivated, but I would not be happy on a day-to-day basis if, if I was doing his job. I didn't think at all. So what makes you tick? What makes
1: you happy with what you're doing right now specifically? Cause you're only about a year in and you, I mean, did you see this success coming this early?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the thing is, like, that's the ri- uh, the big distinction. I think when you're, well, a lot of people, or at least I, when I was working in a normal job, I was really thinking about, like, my status and my, um, like, how I was perceived in the world. Like, I'm going to be this. Now, I don't give a shit about that. Like, I don't care, like, if I am a success in quotes, because that means a lot of different things to a lot of people. Um I, I literally enjoy what I do every day. Um, I would do this if I was making a quarter of the money I am now. Um, and so I guess that's just like the biggest success for me. Um, and on top of that, like I'm, I'm making money to live the lifestyle that I want to do. And so I, I just think people think too much about being a success rather than just like doing things that they like.
1: Okay. So this is going to get into a wormhole. Cause now you got me thinking, you basically just said the money is not even why you're doing it. And you probably didn't even see the money going where it is already. But I think it's really important to find things that you're happy doing mm-hmm. and that give you purpose and just fricking go for it. Like you're right. a junkyard dog for this, Riley, you turned into <laughs> Riley, the Seattle book, man. And that's got to give you a rush it's just got to give you a big time.
2: it does it does like recently just like um like I noticed the other day that like my website had like i think it was like fifteen thousand views in the last like just in August, and i I was just like I was like, first of all, I need to make a better website because it looks like a fifth grader made it um, and secondly, I was just like, damn, like I don't know my my brand is starting to to click it's starting to um it's starting to spread uh, around the area. And I get like 20 leads a day on people needing to get rid of their books. And I think it's really cool. And it's really fun to meet people and, and kind of represent what you're doing rather than like, like what I was doing at my old job, I was just kind of cold calling, I wasn't actually building relationships with people. And now I'm able to actually build relationships for my own business. And that that is the coolest part for me. And the relationships with my employees. Like I hire, yeah, I have a full-time employee and he, he's a stud. I wonder if he can hear me right now. He's in the other room um, scanning books. But yeah, dude, it's really fulfilling for sure. That is epic. I'm not gonna lie. That's just straight up epic. And so obviously
1: you had that moment when you had your your website, did you build that from scratch or did you, and I I take it you looked into the YouTube videos for that too, right? Oh
2: yeah, I I built it from scratch. I went to squarespace.com, put in my email and then it was done. Um, So that took a while. Um, No, like literally, literally don't know how to build a website, but I, I just kind of, the biggest thing that I did on my website was build out forms. And so when I run ads on website or on Facebook, sends them a link to like my pickup thing and they fill out a form. And so that's the one thing I learned on YouTube and how to automate that into an Excel sheet. So like every request that comes in gets logged properly. Um, So that's basically the only like innovation. Other than that, like if you go to my website, at literally, seattlebookman.com, it literally probably 15 minutes worth of work on the main website. Wow, okay. That's unbelievable. It, it just doesn't really matter that much, but I, I, I need to improve it though. So I'm going to hire some people soon.
1: Well, there's always things to be done. I mean, you're growing your own business. It's like, uh, it's like building Are you a Seattle Seahawks fan, Riley. I, I am for sure a Hawks fan. So you're kind of like a John Schneider. I mean, you got Russell Wilson, you got the, uh, <laughs> the supply, you know, coming in, you've already, establish that, but now you need a left tackle and now you need a running back that's not gonna sneak girls into the hotel and get caught. <laughs> There's
2: always things to be done. Yeah, exactly. That was great. Um yeah. Um I haven't really thought of myself as John Schneider yet, but um maybe during the games this year, if there are any, I'll uh I'll take that into more consideration. <laughs>
1: See, I'm a Packer fan, so I I was at the playoff game last year. I'm sorry to say, but the did give us a scare. We're getting off track here. But so going back to something you said, um, you're forming meaningful relationships, you Mm -hmm. know, creating this business, growing this business, John Schneider like. And I feel like when you are making real relationships and really, you know, watering these like a plant that they are, I'm getting poetic here. But this in general, just that angle of it, the relationship building part, that's gonna open doors. You're gonna meet more people, you're gonna network, more opportunities are gonna start flying your way. And I I just feel like when you're doing something that makes you happy, that's gonna knock over a domino, that's gonna knock over another domino, that's just gonna open doors for you and just create more
2: opportunity out of thin air, it seems like. Yeah, um, and I guess I'm in the initial stages of that. So I'm like kind of setting up my dominoes now and I'll hope that they fall later. but I agree. And I also think that when you're doing something you really enjoy, um, you're in a good mood when you're promoting it. Like I, be- I genuinely believe in my business. When I was selling or trying to sell services from a financial firm, like I didn't know if they were actually good products or not. And that's and most people who work for those companies don't either. So it's hard to actually like really build an authentic relationship if what you're selling and what you're promoting, you don't know if you believe in or not. And it's a lot easier when like, I truly do believe in my business and I can talk to them and I know everything about my business. And so it's creates really authentic uh, relationship and I help them like I'll offer to just come and help these thrift stores. Like I went over there one time for two hours just to help them out. I'm like, "Um, I saw you guys are moving a ton of stuff. Like, do you need help? And I just went over there and helped them move stuff. That was early on. And then that's what earned me like I was the first bidder on all of their books, basically. She's like, all right, I'll give, since you helped out, like I'd love for you to come and take a look at the books and tell us what you can offer. And I was the first person she called. And then that type of stuff pays off in the long run. So I do agree with you that it is kind of like that domino effect.
1: Yeah. No, it's just kind of like the saying, you give, you give value to get value. Right. And it's relationship
2: based. Right. No. Yeah. It, and it, it's yeah, it's just now starting to build. And I was su- uh, was super nice with the, the school librarians that I just picked up from yesterday. And she was so happy with the service. She's just like, yeah, I'll just go post on our private school forum about your service. And I was like, oh my god, that's awesome. So now 20 other private schools are going to hear about Seattle Bookman, and maybe one or two of them will hear back. But it's all finding different people with books, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean I'd be elated if I heard, yeah, I'm, you know what Riley, I like what you're doing. I'm going to go tell 20 private schools. That yeah. is that's free marketing at its finest.
2: Oh, 100%. Yeah. And so Yeah. It is. It's like it's like a really fun game. That's all it is. Business oh, is honestly. a video game.
1: I like that quote.
2: Yeah. I mean, with all the, like the new software is like Like, um, like there's just so many different dashboards for your business. It almost feels like a video game and like how, like you can keep track of everything. And that's one thing, like I'm, I'm really data driven. And so like, just seeing how much I've improved, like this month we'll, we'll sell like $35,000 worth of books. And in, in, uh, January we sold like 1400 and that was like, right when I started and it's just cool to like see your progressions, but not only sales, but like pickups and different types of clients, I don't know, I'm rambling, but there's a lot of, it's all about just improving all of the different parts of your business. And that, to me, that feels like a video game. It's like upgrading your skills in Skyrim. If you played that. Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm a big Madden
1: guy. So if you create, you know, you see Uh, see overalls start climbing, you know, that's, that's a video game. I can relate.
2: There you go. I, I, I can, I can relate to that yeah So like right now i'm upgrading my throw accuracy
1: yes boom yeah russell's got 99 already so we don't need to improve that (laughs) no that's true but and so did you did you ever have an inkling when you were younger or even in college a couple years ago where you were drawn to the book flipping business or did that just literally pop
2: out of the sky like the bird chirping in the background here it does pop out of the sky um Yeah. So I've always been able, my friends give me, give me shit a lot of the time. And like, you can even ask Alec about this. Um, I always go through phases like throughout my life. Like I'll spend like four months on one thing and then just be like, I don't like that anymore and move on to another thing. And like, I remember like, I, I forget which adult approached me about it. They're like, yeah, like, why don't you just stick with one thing? You'll be blah, blah, blah. And I used to be really insecure that I would never stick with much but now I realize it's like probably one of my greatest strengths because I've been able to try so many things. And I think what originally drew me to like this entrepreneurship was actually like I got really big into playing Texas Hold'em in college and I got really good. Like I was, I was playing like 14-hour days like online and in casinos. And I made. the last summer I played, I made like I think it was like $8,000 playing poker. What? But, the, but the swings were way too much for me. Um, but I, I've always been addicted to the risk of owning a business and, and like, I really like uncertainty. I I think I'm more certain in uncertain times. And then that's what drew me into like the business realm. And and that's how I ended up here.
1: Okay. That makes sense how you left your job then. Cause I mean, that's uh, the corporate world is, it's a pretty certain, you know, it's a pretty certain odd or probability number right that you'll be showing up the next day and it's yeah if kind of, so you go through the motions i'd imagine
2: yeah absolutely and i guess to go a little further on that idea it's like back in like before like the 1800s like everything used to be tied to the market so like if it didn't rain in a specific area like certain people weren't able to sell certain crops um and it's only recently like after the nineteen hundred, like 1920s where like where we've created these institutions that you get paid a stable amount of money, um, no matter what the market fluctuations are. Um, and I just don't think I'm wired for that stability. I like, I like the volatility and the fluctuations, I guess.
1: Yeah, know, and that reminds me of, so I was just talking to one of my buddies, my good buddies. He, uh, he started a successful clothing brand on his own. It's called Ghost Fed. He's been on this podcast, Josh Parks, great guy what's it, went, it called a uh, ghost fit it's like an athletic clothing really cool brand sharp clothes we all own some clothes here um and he was talking about how the highs and the lows of owning your own business are just extreme like you don't know how you're going to feel one day compared to the other because one day you could be absolutely in the dumps you're looking at the stats being the good businessman you are you got zero sales and then the mm-hmm. next day you could wake up and you could be getting avalanched with a ton of sales. Right. So how do you, you know, maintain a level head? How do you stay certain?
2: <laughs> see that, see, that's the thing I realized about myself is that's the only time I am certain when it, that it like, well, like you can think about it, like a boring subject in class, like where you just complete, like physically your body becomes disinterested. Like you, you no longer are connected to the lecture going on. Like that's exactly what was happening at my old job. Like it was a stable job, but it was boring. So I completely lost interest and I would have ended up failing at my job because I wouldn't have known enough things to be good at the job. Um, when I'm own a business because of the highs and lows, I stay really interested in the business. And I think for that reason, um my mood is leveler like when i'm interested in the thing i'm doing my mood stays relatively flat no matter what even if we're struggling or a problem problems happen cuz problems happen all the time and they're stressful but i'll i'll take that stress over being bored in a job so um yeah i don't know like yeah obviously like results will definitely fluctuate um and sometimes like like i'm paying off like I bought my truck and so I still owe another 8,000 on the truck. Um, and so my expenses are starting to climb right now. But um, yeah, I think I'm a, I don't know, for whatever reason, I'm able to keep a level head because it's just, it's all interesting and not boring. If that makes sense.
1: No, that does make sense. So interest, interest in what you're doing is pretty much the water to your plant.
2: Yes, exactly. And, and, and I think there's an element of uncertainty. Like if I think, if I think my business got too boring for me, I think I would start to lose interest. Um, And um, I think bad things would happen when I start to lose interest. Um, I think that's just my personality.
1: No, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, how do you, do you you foresee anything getting boring or just making it seem like you're going through the motions in the near future? And if you do, kind of a two-part question here, taking you back to English class do you, what do you, what are you going to do about it? What do you have on the horizon to keep expanding, to keep piquing your interest, to keep you really into it? And in on go mode.
2: Um, can I pause for a sec? We have a guy here to pick up a shipment and I think my employees kind of, uh, confused real quick. Like, can we like cut this out? I actually yeah. like, I need like two minutes.
1: Yeah. 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 I'll
2: stop recording. Okay. Okay. Uh, I really like where you are going. Like, uh, I really like that question. I need to, like I need literally like two minutes. Okay, no, that's cool. I'll
1: be right back. Sorry. Okay. So I think we're gonna keep this in unbeknownst to Riley because this is showing right here. He didn't even know what was going on. That's uncertainty right there. And he's gonna come back. He's gonna be in a great mood. I wish I had some ads for you to run, but uh, I think I'll just take it upon myself. Seattlebookman.com. dot com. What the hell do you got to lose? I mean, also connect with this guy. He's given out free advice. He's a guy that's been there, done that, and he's still doing it. He's juggling multiple responsibilities at once. He's got the Excel sheets going. He's got employees. He's got warehouse costs. He's got truck costs. This is impressive stuff, and I really like it. And um, I hope we will get more into the mindset um, within creating your own business and maintaining that because this seems like a thrill. It really does. Hey, Riley. Yup. Yup. I'm
2: here. All right.
1: Um, Hey, sorry. I just kept it rolling. This is raw and uncut baby. I just explained how, why I like what you're doing and I hope people connect with you after this pod. Cause this is uh this is real life entrepreneurship.
2: <laughs> oh, all right. Dope. Uh, I do forget what the last, uh, I appreciate that. First of all, I do forget what the last question you asked me. I really yeah. liked the question you asked. I just, no. It so was.
1: it was uh, do you foresee, you know, any obstacles coming up that would, curb your enthusiasm or kind of de heighten your interest,
2: yeah, I mean like like if my warehouse burnt down or something like that, obviously <laughs> disaster yeah um i don't I don't know like uh it's hard to foresee those things because right now i I'm just having so much fun there's there's so many things to do like and, and right now, my main thing I'm focusing on is managing a team, and so I'm bringing on some people I knew in high school and college right now as just like part-time marketing people who are, are looking for a job right now and just want some stuff to do part-time. And I'm working on how to manage people and to like give them a vision like, okay, we need to connect with this audience to get to get them to give us books or to get them to offer us a bulk deal on books. And so to get them to, you know, um be, be able to effectively brainstorm and then execute on a plan. And I think that's, that, that's going to keep me busy for many months on how to manage team. Because up to this point, like I, everything's been more or less like a to-do list and the amount of things we needed to do have been limited. But I'm trying to scale up. So we're, we're picking up books seven days a week, like every single hour of every day. And so I need to get to a point where I can manage everything on one dashboard, keep everyone communicating. And so that'll be an interesting task that'll take many months.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, So right now you're going seven days a week. I I know yesterday we had a set time to record and you just had, you know, a last minute thing where you had to go pick up what thousands of books from uh, where was this library?
2: No, this was uh, was the Overlake School. It's a school like I grew up like 10 minutes away from, and I don't even know how they found out about me. Um, But the librarian who worked there called me and was just like, Hey, like, could you pick these books up? I'm like, yep. And we went there and picked up about uh, probably three to 4,000 books. Um, But yeah, no. And like I said, I'm trying to get off the seven days a week train um, because my life has been pretty unbalanced in the last, uh, seven months it's been hundred percent work like 001 percent fun and I'm trying to make more room for life and I want to enjoy my 20s a little bit more like and I want to actually like drink and hang out with friends and stuff and so I'm actually moving to Seattle with three friends next month so that's really exciting
1: well, so I was just going to say, it didn't look like you were really drinking much, because we were chatting yesterday on FaceTime, and you had the uh, iron jawline, you know, you, your face kind of puffs up when you drink, so I think it's <laughs> the face of the company, no pun intended right now. Oh,
2: what's the question there?
1: There is no question, that's just a straight up statement.
2: <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, definitely, um, really trying to find ways to balance out my life, because- I do like, there's like micro burnouts so far. Like I haven't had like a macro burnout where I spend like a week, like tired and bored, but like, like there's definitely days where I work all day and I'll wake up the next morning and the whole first half of the day, like I'm burnt out and don't want to do anything. Um, And so I think if I can get my hours down to like 50 to 60 hours a week, that's really sustainable um, going forward.
1: No, yeah, definitely. You don't want to burn yourself out. Like on one hand, young 20s is the time to grind. I've seen so many successful people say it. Like you have extra time. You don't have a family yet. Most likely you don't have responsibilities that are super serious tying you down. But on the other hand, like mental health, this is also cliche. I know you referenced something that was cliche in the beginning, but mental health is damn near as important as, you know, the business output and profit and margin because, That's the long- term game. You want to be able to stay in this thing
2: and not have to you know retire early. Right. Um, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, retiring early kind of sounds nice. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, retiring I, early I think, due to complications, we'll say.: Right, right. Um, yeah, um, I definitely think that if you do want to take a risk like this or start anything on the side you do have to give up balance for a while. Um, like, I think it's just the name of the game, especially like if you're trying to, if you have a normal job and you want to try and start a side hustle, you just have to just spend three months where you just have no balance and you're all hustle. And I think it'll pay off in the long run because it's just now um, where I'm really reaching the point where like I can really see myself offloading most of the tasks to, in my business. Um, and if I was okay with like horizontal growth and I was okay with just keeping my business at where it is, I could literally outsource my entire business. Um, but I do want to continue to grow it. So I'm not going to do that. Right. No, I mean, you're hitting your stride for sure right now. And going back
1: to balance, um, I got a question. So how many, how many hours of sleep are you getting a night?
2: Are you, are you, you know, you're not completely burnt out here. No, 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 no. Uh, Even like when I was first starting, I was working 18 hours a day, seven days a week. I did that for about two months. Um, And then, yeah, right now I'm sleeping nice. I'm in bed by 10. I wake up at, I wake up at like 6.30, 7. I'm sleeping eight hours. Um, But like during the day, there's no wasted time. And I do feel like in the corporate world, there's just the most absurd amount of wasted time. Whereas when you own a small business, you can cut most of that out. Um, No bullshit meetings. You can just focus on the important things.
1: Absolutely. No, that's one of the most unwritten rules of, you know, corporate society is you kind of need to suck up these meetings and this unwasted time, unwritten rules. You're working eight hours a day, even if you, you know, got your work done early. So, business like yours, you're making your own hours and I can see how that's fulfilling. And I'm sure a day, days just fly by. I mean, 17 hours a day. I bet that feels a little less than what it actually is. Cause yeah. You're not really going.
2: So, I mean, back then. Yeah. And that was when I was first starting. So every day I was like, I'm learned a monumental change and yeah. And so I started out in storage units. I didn't even hit that part. Like, like three months ago I was, I didn't have a warehouse. I was just, I had storage units. So I would get books. However, And I would just bring him back to these storage units and I would literally be in there. There's no like electricity in there. There's just one light in each unit. And I'd be like scanning books and people would walk by and be like, what is this dude doing? And it'd be like nine at night and I'd get kicked out because they closed. And yeah, dude, it was funny. It was weird. But that's awesome because you persevered through that. And
1: I I guess I kind of want to end. We got probably 20 ish left. If there is a time, we don't have a time limit, but I just wanna make it, you know, digestible content for everybody out there that's listening that might wanna do the same thing. I think the biggest obstacle to doing something like this is persevering through those tough times where people are looking at you like, what the hell? Like, what are you doing? What planet are you from? Like this weird dude, like, how do you, how do you just kinda tune out the people that don't matter and just really lock in? Like, what are your secrets there?
2: Uh, I never, I've never thought about that, like, That's never been like a, I don't know. My dad raised me in a way like, I really don't care what people think of me. Um, At least that's what I thought. I mean, the only reason I was kind of at my, my first job was I think like I did accept it thinking it was a prestigious job. And I remember, oh, this is, this is something funny. I call it, you know, the LinkedIn special. That's what I call it where kids right after college post like on LinkedIn, like, i very excited to announce I made X job. I want to thank X uh, blah, blah, blah. I want to thank everyone. You know, that, that post right there, everyone posts it on LinkedIn. Oh yeah. Uh, like I was excited to post that and just so like I could be, be accepted into like whatever, whatever that LinkedIn world is like, oh, I'm now a part of the career world. And um, yeah. And I I've ever since I started working at that job, I just, don't really care about that world anymore, and I think a lot of it's bullshit. But I don't want to go into my theories. I kind of want. Um, I kind of want to. Um, I don't. Uh, I want to give you a book to read. Okay. And if I find another copy, I'll send it to you. It's called "Bullshit Jobs" by David Graeber. It was <laughs> one of the. It's one of the coolest books ever. He's an anthropologist, and essentially he talks about the idea that like back in the 1930s, it was like America's dream to build robots that would replace work for humans. Um, and basically we'd only have to work 15 hours a week. It was kind of that utopian idea. And we've done that. We've literally have the technology and everything that we need for everyone to be working like a 15 to 20 hour work week, but no one is everyone's still working a 40 hour work week because that's what you've, we've always done. Um, And I just think that's really interesting. And in and the result of that is there's just a lot of wasted time and wasted jobs, mostly in the management level. And I recommend that book highly to anyone who feels like has a theory that their job isn't meaning that their job is meaningless because it might be and you might need to do something else. So
1: that's interesting because whenever there's a big job cut at a big company, I feel like the management is almost always like the first word out of people's mouth when they're speculating who might be getting
2: cut. Right. And why do you think that is? After reading that book. Um. Okay. Um. There's just so many different yes. Has... So. I'm going to give a little bit more context since we're talking about it. So he basically, he came out with an article that was like BS jobs in 2014. And it went like more viral than any article that month. And he started a Gmail called, do I have a BS job or not at gmail.com. And he got hundreds of thousands of emails from all around the world in different languages. And he goes through some of these submissions in the book. And it's so interesting because like so many people are like, I literally make $200,000 a year. I'm a manager and the whole company would be better off if I just wasn't here. And he's like, I play video games on my computer all day long and the company runs fine. Like, like, I just think it's super interesting. Highly recommend it. So with that being said, do you think as society
1: continues to advance technologically and it starts getting closer to this 1930s vision of a utopia where there's robots running these bullshit. Well, no, 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 no,
2: no, I think we're already there. I think we're missing, it's a the cultural, the technology element we've already hit. Computers do all of the work now. Like in my business, the computers do almost all of the work except for the actual meaningful work which is in the warehouse. Like, we've already reached a point where, like, you can see that all the biggest companies in the world are doing better now that everyone's at home. Like, uh, but it's a cultural thing that we're missing. And for whatever reason, people think that you need to work 40 hours a week to be valued in society. And as soon as we see this next recession, in my opinion, um, and people start getting laid off, like, we're going to see these businesses being able to produce the same amount as they did when they had all these people because computers are doing such a large share of the work. But for some reason, our society is telling us to work 40 hours a week.
1: No, I completely agree. And I know the next recession is coming because I mean, there's been a lot of government cheese handed out during the first quote unquote recession, which wasn't actually that bad. I think the next one will be really bad. Um, But I agree that we're already there in society with all the, you know, automized jobs, um, computers running stuff that we don't even know about. I just feel like, society, we were there, like you're saying, but I think we haven't really flexed that muscle as much as we can. And I think in dire times, like, an, like a big recession, I think we're going to see even more jobs be taken away, but we'll see productivity rise, like you're saying, with these yeah. companies that have more than survived through this. Right.
2: And I don't know how we got into this. Wow. What was the original question? How did this come up?
1: I have no idea. I honestly, yeah, okay. no but this, I love it. Honestly, no, I love it too. I don't want any agenda. I knew we'd be talking heads on this. This is
2: what everybody wants. Yeah. Um, and so, okay. I think, um, yeah. And I, just to connect that back to kind of what we were talking about. Oh yeah. And so basically if you think your job is meaningless, like, like don't let any adult tell you, Oh, like fight through the pain learn as much as you can, because it's a, it's a possibility that there's nothing to be learned in your job. And it's a shitty truth. It is shitty, but there is a possibility that there's no value in it besides the money. And sometimes you need money to like, to do cool things. And that will make you happy. But um, I think we overvalue the idea that you can learn something from every job. When a lot of jobs, like, I'll never forget the day when I first Like it was right after I graduated college and I was talking to these four girls who worked at Amazon. And I'm not, it's not because they were girls. It's just the way the story went. And I asked them all what they did and none of them could really articulate what they did for a job. Like they told me their titles and I asked them what they were doing because I was interested and they couldn't even word it because they just did random things. I don't know. And maybe I'm over cynical on that idea, but I just think that people need to really look into um, just alternate ways to make money. I think that's important.
1: No. And I, so I agree. And this is bringing me back to something you said earlier in the recording where your idea, your personal idea of a success started to change as you kind of grew, as you started doing different things. And I think this is kind of what you're alluding to here because you made the LinkedIn post, you graduated college, you got the corporate job, boom, you're a success. But right. then you start, you know, looking into different things, your brain keeps developing and you realize, wait, this isn't my personal idea of success. This is just society's. Right. And I think maybe that I see I'm not a therapist here. Uh, we've never even met in person. No,
2: but you you're a, you're a, you're a hidden poet. I can see it. You like to connect these things. Um Jack Frost. I, okay. All right, I'll, let me do my best here to be the poet. I, I think the definition of success is when you stop thinking about success. All right. That was cheesy, but no, that was good. That was good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you, if you, if what you're doing, like if you forget completely about success or what other people think of you, then you're doing fine. Like, and you don't need, and I've no, at no point, during this, I'm like, oh, I'm living my passion or I'm doing the thing that I want to do. I just really like what I do. I don't think anyone has one calling. I think there's things that you're interested in, there's things that you're not interested in. And I think you should follow um, the second one.
1: No, and I think you know humans innately, I mean, even from when we were cavemen, we had to adapt continuously Um, back then we had no idea what summer and winter was like back then. If I'm a caveman, I could be thinking, wow, I'm a success. I have a hut in the summer. I'm living well. I'm getting a tan. I got all my hunted and gathering gathered food, but then boom, Mm -hmm. we don't know the calendar switches. Here comes the snow. All of a sudden my hut's gone. I am not a success anymore. Uh, (laughs) What the hell am I doing now? And you got to continuously adapt and look for what makes you feel secure, happy, protected, I mean, this is going literally way back to literal caveman era. But- yeah,
2: I, same thing happened to all my caveman friends. Um, <laughs> they all lost their huts too. <laughs> so no, I totally agree with you though, a hundred percent. Yeah, um, and I think we're wired, and like obviously, like comes back to us being social animals. We're wired to like happiness is wired. Like you're, you're, you're. We're wired to like compare ourselves to others and compare our happiness to others and um we see everyone just happy on social media on your on their posts on linkedin all dressed up looking nice 300 likes and bunch of shares but really they might not even be excited about going to that business or getting meaningless that job. meaningless. Yeah. all for societal acceptance yeah
1: and i think the telltale sign with you is and let's not undersell this you're making a lot a lot of money and you're, you're brushing it aside, Riley, like it's no big deal, but it actually isn't a big deal to you because you're actually happy. That's what I think is the coolest. Thing. I,
2: I'm very happy running my business. Um, yeah, it's a good time. Um, I, I'm making a living for sure.
1: Without a doubt. And most importantly, from what I've learned, I mean, you're st- your brain stimulated, you're learning, you're constantly evolving you're constantly in the know with what's going on with this, that every faucet of your business. And I just think, I think that's epic. Honestly, I, that is truly a video game. Life's gotta be very, very fun and rewarding for you right now.
2: It's, it's definitely a good time. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to move in with my friends. And so we have, um, a podcast idea that we're going to run. Like it's going to be, it's going to be centered around actually, you know what, I'll just send you a link to it when we started. I don't, I don't want to talk about it before it's a real thing. But um, I really, I am very you inspired. So you just by said it. So now you got to do it. You have to do it. I I'm very it. inspired by your podcast for sure. And uh, well, it's going to be centered around books, but it's going to be four of us. So there's two guys, two girls, and we're just going to, it's going to be more like a YouTube channel than an actual podcast. Um, like we're going to video everything, but I, I'm really excited. And I'm very inspired by you. Like you can just do this part-time. You try and connect with, like people who have cool perspectives and you just do it. And I really, I really appreciate this podcast, by the way. This is really fun.
1: Well, dude, I mean, you honestly just made my day and that's right there why I do it. Um, yeah. Because I get to talk to people like you that have literal bold perceptions. There's the buzzword, take a shot if you're playing a drinking mm-hmm. game to this pod. But I, I think it's really cool to hear this stuff from guys like you that have done it. Um, they've lived it and they really mean what they say. And I've, I've learned a lot from this recording, and I hope the audience has too. And I wanna, I'm looking forward to seeing what you do with this YouTube channel, because I've been thinking about YouTube
2: channels as well. And yeah, dude, let's, I, I uh, think that's uh, let's kind bounce of some ideas. Let's bounce some ideas off each other. Absolutely. I mean, you got my contact, I got yours. And
1: yeah. I kind of want to end it with you kind of saying to the audience what you'd be willing to help with and i mean we'll have a separate connect post when we post this episode that'll have you know how to connect with you and for what but what's what do you have like an internal desire to give back to the community that's yeah
2: honestly no and i i've been helping people through this i mean at a micro level just in my area locally but yeah my uh i'm seattle or i'm riley brown zero one two three on instagram you can send me a dm um or you can send me an email at Seattlebookman at gmail.com. And yeah, if you if you are in a job that you don't like and you are looking for a way to monetize what you do like, send me an email. I more I will probably have some ideas for you. Boom. That's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect.
1: And I think a lot a lot of things are more able to be monetized than you actually think
2: am i wrong there or is that gone? Uh, everything and it's a uh it's a it's a 180 flip like in your brain like once you realize like reselling here i'll say this to your audience as well is reselling is the best way to get into business if you don't have like a specific like um engineering skill that you can monetize or something like that like if you want to learn business, get into reselling, go to thrift stores, buy whatever you're interested in and try and sell them on eBay. And you'll just start learning what consumers want. And that's how I started. And eventually we, I learned that there was a massive market for used books, um, massive market. Um, and I think that there's so many of these different markets that people could tap into and now I'm confident enough with selling things that if I wanted to produce my own items, I would, I could do it 10 times easier. So I think reselling is a very good start to it, for sure. Okay.
1: Well, you know what? I think uh, we might have to have you back on to just to strictly talk reselling and retail. Because okay. I got more questions. And unfortunately, I knew this would happen, Riley. We're hitting our time limit. I didn't want to put a time limit on it, but now I got to run to the next thing and keep playing the video game that is life here. Yep, I think you'll be back if you want to accept that offer.
2: Yeah, no, 100%, anytime, dude. Um, Just let me know. I'm down to always talk. Um, I don't know much about retail arbitrage, but I know the channels to send people when they want to know about retail arbitrage. So um, yeah, I'll I'll hook people up if they want to hit me up at, yeah, seattlebookman at gmail.com. I'm always down to talk to new people. That's my favorite part of uh, this whole video game thing we call life <laughs> life <laughs> I to 2020 on that. life 2021
1: yeah, coming out soon at Blockbuster. now blockbuster's dead uh well yeah, amazon how about that we'll sell it yeah that. that works that works perfect so you guys heard the man he is willing to connect he's obviously a freaking fountain of knowledge i learned a ton just now and i think we got more to learn so he'll be back i believe but definitely. george thank
2: you for having me man
1: yeah no absolutely riley and uh this episode will be getting posted soon. This is one of my favorite, if not the favorite one I've done. So <laughs> very good time. All right. appreciate it. You're awesome, dude. All right. You too, dude. Hey, everybody out there, throw this out to your friends. I know a lot, of, a lot of you guys are probably on the cusp of starting something new or you have an inkling to start something new, monetize something you're passionate about. Riley's your guy to do it. Reach out, share, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you, Riley.
2: Yep. See you later. Thank you. All right.